Now, I want to officially tell you I'm changing the name of the series. Is that okay? Is that cool? Instead of HH, instead of Healthy Humans, uh, six weeks in, I really believe we can say we are healthier humans. We are healthier humans. And a lot of times, because I I don't want the connotation to be uh, I'm either healthy or I'm not. I want the thought process to be, guess what? I'm getting healthy. And I am healthier today than I was yesterday. I'm healthier today than it was six weeks ago. I am healthier. I am healthier. And so turn your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. Matt, rooted groups are taking place all over the city. I'm just thrilled what God is doing. And how many are getting just a hunger for your word like never before? And so go to Philippians chapter 3 real quick. Philippians chapter 3, get your phones out, iPhones, Androids, paperback. We have free Bibles available that you can grab by our uh, worship host uh, team. And I want us to get into Philippians chapter 3. And this is the message before the finale. So let's rock and roll. Philippians 3 says, Now, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. Come on, somebody. Who's perfect in this room, right? Nobody, right? I'm already perfect. And if you think you're perfect, you ain't perfect. Come on, yeah. But I press on, say press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers and sisters, come on. Do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I love this. I thank you, for Paul, for telling the church in Philippi to strain forward, right? I mean, you might not see it, but I'm straining for it. I'm, I'm pressing forward. I like this because it feels like it's a little difficult, and that's okay. That's part of getting healthier, is that I, 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 I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, say mature, think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The title of my message today is Press On with Healthy Maturity. Press on with healthy maturity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this collection of talks. Thank you for this incredible church. Father, I just pray uh, for, for this information become a life-changing revelation. May it change us inside and out for all the days of our lives. God, I pray that today what takes place begins to change our children and our grandchildren and their children. That Jesus, I pray today will come birthed out of this message will begin to change our city begin to change our families. And Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that may the Chicago Bears continually to get healthier and may the Raiders win sometime, someday. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen and amen. How many remember uh, that the kickoff of our series is put on, put off, right? Wax on, wax off. We're going to put on our true self, our true identity, and every single day, how many are still putting off, right? You got to put off your false sense of your identity, false limits. We got to put on, and we put off. But also today, I want us to put on, put off, and press on. Put on, put off, press on. Now, this is, this is, this is a fun word right here, maturity. Um, I'm going to ask you today, what makes a Christian mature? Like, what, what makes a Christian mature? I mean, is it uh, they, they read their Bible? Like, no, no, no. They, they know their Bible, right? 
They have the entire book of James memorized. That's a mature Christian. Anyone else? Uh, uh, what's, a, uh, what's a mature Christian? A mature Christian prays. They pray every single day. How many, how many know the mature Christian, um, when storms come, they're unfazed by the storm, right? Like it's insane. Like, like during the pandemic, they were like, Jesus is on the throne. You're like, is he? Is he? Like what makes a Christian mature? Is it that they can prophesy or, you know, they can speak in tongues? They can speak Greek and Hebrew? Somebody before service said they got reserved seating. That's a mature Christian right there, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear you. What's a, what's a mature Christian? Is, it, is a mature Christian mean? So I'll put my hand up. That's what I feel like sometimes. The mature Christians are mean. I'm mature. Yeah, we know. But what is a sign of a mature Christian? And so I have a Bible program, Logos, I could click on the word mature in Philippians. And, and in that Bible program, it took me down uh, to Baker Cyclopedia. And it said maturity is that response to God whereby the believer no longer needs to live by individual stipulations or fear of mistakes and sins of omission, but delights in doing the Lord's will. That's m- Maturity. That's maturity. And this blows my mind. i got to read this one more time. Maturity is a response to God that I no longer need to live by, by, by preconceived ideas, by fear of mistakes, by, by, by my sins. I'm not defined by my sin, right? But I delight in doing the Lord's will. I delight in doing the Lord's will. And I think most of us in this room, we go, what's the Lord's will? <laughs> I delight in it, but I need to know what it is. What's the Lord's will? Since the coming of Christ, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on every believer. He comes not only to internalize the law of God, the word of God, but also to help us develop Christian maturity by giving the fruits of godliness in greater fullness. Whereas maturity and freedom were experienced by some Old Testament saints, and I really want you to catch this, maturity, I'm spitting a lot, this is good. Maturity is God's gift to all his children in Christ. So I want you to turn and tell somebody, you're a mature Christian. All right, I want you to turn somebody else, all right, say, you really are a mature Christian, even though you're my second choice, okay? But you really are a mature Christian. But what is the Lord's will, okay? What is the Lord's will? I'm doing a lot of teaching. That's why, can I just give you a heads up, P.O.D., this is just a reminder, you're a priest on duty. I'm going to yeah. preach, all right? I want to make, I'm going to preach, okay? But we've been really making sure that we're, we're, we're not just going through the, the emotions, but we're also receiving revelation from God. So what is Lord's will? Jesus in Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes, one of the mature Christians, right? Yeah. The scribes, the reader of the law. Perhaps there's Pharisees and Sadducees. There's the, how many of those are the mature ones that crucified the one, Right? It's the mature ones that would crucify Jesus. But a scribe came up, one of the scribes, they heard them disputing, and, and, and seeing that he answered them well, Jesus asked him, which command, or no, they asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's God's will, right? That's, that's God's will. What's the greatest one? And you, what he was doing, he was really, really, in, my, in this context for this message today, he was really going, how can I become mature? How can I achieve? How can I, what are the things I need to do to arrive, to make it into heaven, to, to be religious, to be elite? What do I need to do? And Jesus said, you've got to love the Lord with everything, with all your mind, heart, and soul. And then he continues to say this, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other greater commandment than these two. 
Actually, those two sums up all the, the, the not, not just the 10, but over the 400. And, and, the, and the scribe said, you are right. You've truly said that he is the one, and there's no one beside him. And to love him with all his heart and the understanding with all the strength and love his neighbor as yourself, it's much more than the whole burnt offering and sacrifices. I love this. He is saying loving God and loving people is so much more than what we do. Being with Jesus, right, I do for, G, for God out of a deep sense of being with God. But if I just do for God without being with God, then it's not maturity. This is good, huh? I mean, this is like, let's tweet this thing. Let's get on TikTok right now. Sign us up. And Jesus says this. He says this. And with Jesus, this is the touch screen, okay? And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You know what he's saying? You got it. You got it. And so I put a Facebook post up this week because Facebook's still alive. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Facebook is still, still working. And I put, what is, what is, your, what is the definition of a Christian, uh, mature Christian? And can I tell you, I had like lots and lots of dozens and dozens of phenomenal correct answers. Wonderful answers. If we can go on this topic, I could do an entire collection of talks called Mature Christian, you know, and just keep going all day and all night. I'll be like those preachers that have one, one topic for the entire year, okay? But really, I believe if I could sum it up, the defining characteristic of a mature Christian is simply just loving people. It's just loving people. Because I'm going to take a step further. Now I've got to, like, like, persuade some of us in this room. But I realized to fully love God is to be spiritually healthy, but to love people well is to be emotionally healthy. Yeah. To fully love God is to be spiritually healthy or mature. To love people well is to be emotionally mature. So I want us to put on our true self, take off our false self, but then I want us to press on with love. Press on my love for Jesus and my love for people. For my love for Jesus and my love for people. This, this, and I need, I need help with this message today because we're going to go, yes, yes, I get it, amen. Like I get in right now. And we can go home and eat cake, come on. Because Pastor Lindsay's not here yet. I can have cake today. But I want you to see this. Emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It's impossible. And can I tell you, a lot of times, this, is, this isn't like, like Pastor Jeremy, the mature uh, uh, Christian or uh, spiritually mature pastor or emotionally mature pastor is talking to the immature ones in this room or the immature ones online. You know? No, this is, this is what we're going to deal with every single day. we got to put on maturity and take off immaturity. Put it on put it off, and we press on. So here's an emotional, immature behavior, uh, impulsive behavior. It's impulsive. Like I just, now a lot of times the, uh, Dave, uh, Dan Brennan, uh, he equated this to a child. And when we're all children, we're all, we're all immature as children, but some of us don't grow into maturity. Yeah. And so some of us keep those same behaviors as a child. It's impulsive. Oh, you got a new job? Oh, you got a new job? Oh, you got a new job? It's just impulsive. Why are you doing this? I thought you were doing this. I thought you were doing this. You put on Facebook, you're doing this. Now you're doing this. It's just impulsive. Or we demand attention. 
just just demanding. When I was a child, I was deaf, and, uh, and for me to get a hold of my parents, I would literally grab their jaw and go, you know, like look at me, and they'd go, geez, Jeremy, get a whiplash. But how many of us, we demand attention from others, or name-calling and bullying? You know, I, you know, speaking of like Grandpa Bones, my dad was a name-caller, and now I have to be super intentional in the name-calling that happens. I mean, it could be just, you know, just little things. Oh, that person is, oh, this, that, and you know what, that, and that was, I gotta make sure that I am keeping myself emotionally mature. A lot of times it's avoidance. Or how about narcissism? Narcissism. <laughs> Someone's like, raise your hand if you know a good narcissist. No, <laughs> I think everybody in this room could. But here's what the definition of a narcissist is. I'm going I'm to challenge us today. The definition of a narcissist, they only think about themselves, they dislike compromise, and they never take others into account. They always want to have their own way. Right? Let's go find a narcissist right now, huh? Go find them, confront them. Because emotional immaturity is avoiding them, and we're going to get them, you know. But I wonder, I wonder if sometimes we're a little spiritually a narcissist. Where we say, God, I need you to do this for me. And God, I don't want to do the things that you want me to do. Because I always want to have my own way. I believe that was from the Holy Spirit because it's like, Lord, how dare they? You know what they did. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to deal with them. Let's deal with us. An emotionally immature Christ follower wants others to love them, but they don't want any responsibility in loving others. Yeah, fun message today, huh? Let's pray. <laughs> but this is what Jesus said, Mark chapter 11. We see this, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive. Another translation in uh, Matthew, it says, like, get up from prayer and go to that person and say, hey, I forgive you. Now, that's a little different in our context because sometimes we can be a little mean in our judgment and we get up to somebody and say, Leah, I've hated you for five years, but I forgive you. And she's like, what? Oh, my God. That is the wrong way. <laughs> Leah, I love you. I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> I'm going to hug you later, huh? Yeah, she's crying. No! But this is what Jesus said. He said, I want you to stop praying and go and forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who is also in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. You know what he's doing? And this is found in, this is a great concept. He, he was saying, he says, a lot of times we have a I-it relationship. And an I-it relationship means we relate to a person as an object or a means to an end, and we treat them as an it. So we have I-it relationships. I am, I am in relationship with that person because they're going to get me what I want. Or I'm in, I'm in relationship with that person because I need them to benefit me. It is all about me, 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 me. It's, 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 it's what can I do, the, the ladder of success or, or the levels you need to get to or hashtag I need the views on YouTube and all these different hustles that we have going out there. And there are some examples of an I-it relationship. Is I-it relationship means I, I maintain eye contact while listening to someone, but my mind is focused on what to say what's next. 
Can I take a step further? I've been to too many conferences. At a conference, I'm talking to somebody and I'm like totally engaged and then they're looking at, they're like looking for somebody better to talk to while they're talking to me. How many know what I'm talking about? I say, bye Felicia, you just, you just go, yeah. Or I, I, I pass a, and I only know that because my students, when I was in youth ministry, confronted me on that. They would tell me things. I'd be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, hey, how are you? Yeah, you doing good. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And so, hey, how are you? And they're like, Pastor, I need your full attention. And I was like, I am. Are you have my full attention? And they go, no, I need you to, to listen with your eyes. And I said, out of the mouth of babies. Come on, man. And so now I do my very best to have a different kind of relationship. I pass a coworker without saying hello. I'm more concerned about my performance and how others perceive me instead of seeing the motive behind what I do. I thought about changing this message from healthy maturity to healthy motives. To healthy motives. I size up people based on the schools they attend, where they're from, where they work, or their Enneagram number. Hey, maybe. I feel responsible to correct people when, when faulty views about God come up in conversations. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Because we're about to do a series next year, uh, Apologetics. We're going to talk about how, how, do, how do I explain my faith? Like, what do I believe? What do I believe? How do I, how do, I do that? We're going to talk about that. But that's the I-it relationship. But then there's the good one, the mature one, is the me-we relationship. And me-we, <laughs> me-we, would that be trendy? I don't know. Me-we, when we relate to people as sacred or holy, and we treat them as a we. Amen? And we treat them as a we. Psalms 129, right? Uh, yeah, 139. Jesus, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I get an amen, right? Who is fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Come on. I was fearfully made. Lindsay was wonderfully made. Come on, somebody. Wonderful are your works. Wonderful. When I look in the mirror every single day, I go, thank God <laughs> for Psalms 139. God, you did. Taste and see the Lord is good. For my soul knows it very well. What if we took the scripture and we put me, we in it and said, for God formed for form their inward parts and God knitted them together in their mother's womb I praise you for they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul can see it well. My soul can see it well. David Brenner in Soulful Spirituality, he says, a me-we relationship recognizes each person as unrepeatable, unique, as inestimable, inestimable. That's later treasure, an image bearer of the living God. We treat individuals as sacred, as one created from the very breath of God. Most importantly, we welcome their otherness, acknowledging how different they are from us. I'm telling you, this can change our city and this can change our, our, our perspectives. And so if there's a me-we relationship, I want us to do three quick things, and I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to be able to ask God to do a work in our hearts. And the first thing we need to do for a me-we mature relationship is we need to enter their world. We need to enter their world. 
And, and, and in order to enter their world, the first question I think we need to ask is, am I fully present or am I distracted? When they sit down with me and, I, and, and we have a conversation, or it's just a stranger on the road, you start asking them questions like the Good Samaritan. You know, or is it someone in your life that you just go, oh, they drive me crazy, but you know what, I'm going to be fully present instead of distracted. So am I fully present or am I distracted? This could be in any relationship. This could be with your kids. Am I fully present or am I distracted? We were driving down the road, Levi and I were talking, you know, mom's in Mexico, and we had a great conversation going to our next event. And, uh, and also, I stopped by and I pulled my phone out, and I tried to text real quick, and Levi was telling a story, and while he's telling his story, I grabbed my phone to do something real quick to put it back on the, on the holder, and he literally went, knocked the phone on my hand. I'm like, boy, I promise you, you know, and he was like, pay attention to me. I was like, boy, I'm your father. Don't you ever slap the phone. No, I didn't but he was right. Are we fully present with every single person we encounter? Not just the mission field, those that are in our lives. Are we fully present? Are we distracted? And I love this, too, to listen to someone is being fully present. And being heard is so close. I'm sorry. I just Being heard is so close to being loved. Hey, I hear you right? I hear you. I disagree, but I hear you. I, I hear you. For the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. So are you fully present or are you distracted? Are you so distracted we're like trying to get our, our, our like how can I win this argument? Or are we just fully present? Number two is am I loving or am I judging? Am I loving or am I judging? Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to hurry up. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck? Come here, come here, I'm a mature Christian. I need to, let's talk. I can, I can help you out. You are messed up, jacked up. I'm going to help you out. And then he said, when there is a log in your own eye, you got a little bit of sawdust in your eye, but I got a plank in my eye. And to judge means, am I judging, am I loving? To judge means we turn our differences into virtues of moral superiority. And in so doing, we create never-ending ways to subtly characterize people and diminish their humanity. That's what happens when we judge. Because when we judge people, they become objects instead of someone to love. Now, I've heard it time and time again, don't judge me. Right? Don't judge me. That's, usually people say that when, they're, when they know they're making the wrong decision. <laughs> right? Don't judge me, cake. Don't judge me. I keep going. I keep going. This is why I love Jesus. Jesus said, you hypocrite. First, take the law out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's not saying, like, he's saying, don't judge, but don't judge when you got your own problems, right? Like, don't judge that one issue when you got 99 issues. But he's saying, I want, you to, I want you to get before Jesus, be with Jesus, but then I want you to lovingly confront another believer. Iron sharpens iron. And so I want you to know that love confronts, but hate avoids or attacks. If there's someone in my life and they call themselves a Christ follower, I'm going to say, hey, I love you enough to tell you this is what I see. But you have full permission 
to speak into my life as well. Because love confronts. A lot of times we go, oh, I'm not going to judge. You know, I really don't like that person, so I'm either going to avoid or I'm going to attack. We've seen a lot more of this than this recently. But that's what hatred does. Forget it. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to deal with it. That means, do we really love that individual? So number one, enter their world. But number two, I want you to hold on to yourself. You got to know who you are. I even heard something this week, like, Jesus hung out with sinners. I used to say Jesus hung out with sinners, but he always controlled the conversation. Right? He wasn't like, let's do what you're doing. He was just like, let's eat together. I heard something else this week where it's like, no, really, it's sinners came to Jesus because he was so loving. He was so supernatural. He was so different. But the most susceptible, susceptible we are most susceptible to losing ourselves. This is identity. I've, we we got to put on. It's in order, folks, right? Put on, put off, press on. But if we don't put on as we put off and we just press on, we can lose ourselves. When we haven't done the inner work to explore our own preferences, values, feelings, opinions, hopes, and delights. Mark chapter 3, even Jesus' own family. Jesus said, I know what I came. I didn't come to be a political advisor. I didn't come to be a warrior. I didn't come to be a violent person. I didn't come with a sword and I'm going to kill everybody. Jesus said, I came to be a son of a carpenter, to love people, to heal the sick. This is what I came to do. And even Jesus' own family, they heard it. They went out to seize Jesus and said, Jesus, you are out of your mind. You don't know who you're supposed to be. And Jesus said, I know exactly who I am. I can love people. I can confront people, I can be in their world, I can be fully present, but still holding on to who I am in Christ Jesus. Who I am in Christ Jesus. In living faithfully to his true self, Jesus disappointed a lot of people. I'm probably going to put this on a plaque in my office. Right? Steve Jobs said, if you want to make everyone happy, sell ice cream. I might sell ice cream, I don't know. But we are to put on, we are to put off. We're going to press on. Put on, put off, press on. How many like this message? How many ready for me, we, instead of I, it, right? I, it. The last one is, I want us to enter their world, right? A lot of times we don't need to enter their world. We don't need to live in their world. We get enter their world. Man, we need to, number two and then number three, we need to live in the tension. We need to live in the tension. Because it really is a tension that takes place. The tension of, man, just loving people that are hard to love. Or the tension of loving people that never loved me. Or loving people that are simply I, it, that you, that you know you are just a, a means to their end. That's the tension that takes place. The other tension is what you're supposed to be or who you're called to be. Tension of, man, just, I'm just trying to be a mature Christ follower. I'm just trying to make a difference in this world. I'm just trying to make an impact. Man, if people could only, if they could just only see the, man, the, the, the value that God has for their life. If people could only see. Or maybe the tension of just loving and, and, and judging. The tension of maybe, maybe you have a spouse and, and you're the Christ follower. Maybe they're not. Maybe the tension of, of, of man, how do I, how do I, how do I continue to, to, to be healthy and serve the local church when, when I was used and abused by the local church? 
that I think a lot of times we we have church hurt because so many churches they 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 use people to pursue the mission. And when they do that, they hurt folks instead of loving people being the mission. And there's a tension that arises. And I know every single day you have tension in, in, in multiple worlds. Sunday is a safe place. I love Avenue Church. Come on. People tell me all the time. Somebody told me over text this week, we were bummed after service because we knew we had to wait six days to come to church again. I was like, ah! Love that. Put that on a plaque in my office. In my car, you know. But then you have the tension of Monday. The whole new world. You got the tension of that family or family or so many different tensions. We need to live in that tension. There's a, a nun, and I just love this particular story about Sister Helen uh, Prishon. There was a movie made about her, and a book was written first. And Sister Helen was a nun in, in Louisiana. And she would often visit the state penitentiary. Much like Kimberly Malloy, she goes up to the, uh, the, the prison out there by Indian Springs. We got our own Sister Helen, everybody, you know. And so she would go down to the prison and she would talk to the inmates on death row. And one of the inmates, they believe his name was Matthew uh, Pon- Pon- Poncelet or Poncelet. And, but there are also different names, some different names in the book because she would do this for several inmates. But the story goes that one of her first inmates, she, would, she, would came, she came in and, and he was just, just disgusting and just say, I'm innocent. I didn't, I didn't kill and rape and I didn't do all these things. And then, and then he would use vulgar words and he would cuss and swear and he was never appropriate. But she kept going in there and just loving him the best she can, loving him the best she can. But to the family of the young lady she, she, uh, that, that was murdered, she would then go and minister to the family. Talk about tensions between two worlds. And the family would go, why are you spending time with him? He's a murderer. He took her dog. And she's going through all these different things. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not picking a side. I'm not picking a side. And the story goes that she, in the tension of loving one family, she was loving someone else who did a very horrific, terrible deed, but he was still created in the image of Christ. And so she would go day after day, and him and several other inmates on death row. And as they're wheeling him down, she always tried to you know, get him to accept Jesus, get him to accept Jesus. And wheeling him down into the chamber where they're going to eject him. This is what's said in her book. In the book, it says, when he is strapped to the chair to be injected with lethal solution, she tells him to watch her face. She said, that way, the last thing you'll see before you die will be the face of someone who loves you. He does so, and he dies in love rather than in bitterness. Right? Now, I'm not glorifying Sister Helen, but I love that the Jesus that was in her. Where Jesus hung on a cross, and he said the very same thing. He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's such a tension that we need to live in today. Man, that person over there, I, Lord, I dislike that person. I, I hate that person. 
And God is saying, they're a child of God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. Church, I'm telling you, if we would radically love people the way Jesus wants us to love people, and I want to say thank you for being a loving church. Thank you for loving people. But Jesus lived in the tension of heaven and earth. That was his tension, and that should be ours today too. So I want you to do me a favor. Will you stand with me, please? I want to read one more scripture. And man, we got the 11 o'clock service. It's going to be wild. Pastor Lindsay then comes back today. So don't call me. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says this. It says, bearing with one another. Here, do me a favor. I want you to close your, hand, close your eyes, bow your heads just for a second as I read this. Just bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all else, put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to just ask a question, but heads are bowed and eyes are closed just for privacy. But if you if you always have had a hard time loving people, it's because you feel as if no one has loved you. I want you to just raise a hand. Just raise a hand. I want you to raise a high. Not for me. I feel like that's for the Holy Spirit to just wrap his arms around you, for you to feel the unconditional love of God from head to toe, like a blanket. And I want you to forgive every single person that has not loved you. That doesn't mean we leave here and we get a our phone, our contact list out, we call them all. No, we forgive them right here and right now. You are a loving person. You are full of authentic joy and genuine love. That every single person in this house, we just raised your hands, everybody in this room, we just raised your hands. And God, I help, help us to see people the way you see people. God, I thank you. <laughs> As we're getting healthier, we're more loving. And As we're getting healthier, it's less about us and more about you. And Father, we delight in doing your will, and that is loving God, and that is loving people. Colossians 3 says that the word of Christ dwell in us richly. May, may teach us admonishing one another in all wisdom. May we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and to the Father through him. So worship team, let's sing a song.
I want us to lift our voice. I want us to raise our hands. But if you're in this room today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to pray that prayer to yourself right now. I want to say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Say, I now know who I am. I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. I'm loving. I am mature. Jesus lives in me. In Jesus' name.